0: Keep my podcast's name out of your voice, man. It's me, Wilson, and welcome to the compass of power, where we put the place back into politics and uh, it's been a while. I'm glad to be back and I've been thinking about this podcast and we'll talk maybe a little bit about that at the end what we've got going what we're looking forward to, but let's start at the beginning with Nikki Haley. Uh, Nikki Haley is getting a lot of coverage lately as uh, the the new hot kid in the governor's and the governors in the presidential primary. Uh, for the Republican side. Uh, She was just endorsed by the Koch brothers, the infamous Koch brothers, if you're on the other side of the aisle, uh, big-time money men who say it's time to move past the number one contender in the Republican primary for President Donald Trump. And they want to go with Nikki Haley, a former governor of South Carolina and former ambassador to the United Nations under Donald Trump. She's running number two in some polls, I believe, and in some places. And over in doing that, overtaking Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who was seen as the biggest Trump challenger early in the race. Uh, but she's still nowhere near the Trump. Uh, and we want what we're going to do is look at this from the regional perspective. That's what we do here. Let's look at what's going on. From the geographic angle, man, I just, uh, was listening to a political podcast here in Washington State and heard the reporter mention briefly, it's like, well, you know, the United States is, a, uh, it's like 10 nations rolled into one and we really get to pick chicken or fish, which I appreciate because that's true, uh, On both counts. One, yes, the choice for president comes down to A or B, despite being a nation of 330 million people. But I'll take the 10 nations rolled into one reference to be a reference to my favorite book on this subject, American Nations by Colin Woodard, uh, which really describes uh, 11 different regional cultures in the United States. And those... Different cultures, which were founded by different people at different times, have different priorities. And American politics at the national level is about the competition between those different regions. Um, So let's look at the presidential primary through that lens and what to make of Nikki Haley. First, Nikki Haley is from South Carolina. That's where she grew up. Uh, She was the governor there. And South Carolina is the very hearthstone of the Deep South culture. It is where the, what we think of as the South, the plantation South started and from there it spread west. Also representing the deep South in the primary is Ron DeSantis. And with him uh, for a while, there was Senator Tim Scott, also from South Carolina. He bowed out after the last uh, Republican presidential uh, debate. And let me tell you, I, I watched some of that, which was enlightening. Uh, So he's out. So now we got two Deep Southerners in there, DeSantis and Haley. Who else is in there? Well, from New Netherlands, a.k.a. the New York City region, we have former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie and Donald Trump of New York City. And finally, from Appalachia, Cincinnati businessman Vivek Ramaswamy. And they are all... 100% 100% true to type. If you know where they're coming from, then you understand who they are. That's what I say. Uh, place is politics. And let's start with the frontrunner, Donald Trump, because we want to talk about why is Haley uh, challenging him? Like, where is she coming from? Where is she getting the juice to challenge the guy who was just president? So wouldn't he just get the nod? Well, he obviously has some... Uh, detractors. He has some legal problems, but Donald Trump is the very avatar of New York City in the sense that uh, he is loud, talks fast, sues fast, does fast, braggadocio. New York City culture uh, is uh, was founded by the Dutch and it's really really emphasizes that freedom of speech quality. Like, you know, the New Yorkers are known for saying a lot of things. They speak their minds. Um, they are not necessarily aggressive in the sense of warfare or uh, machismo in that way so much as like they like to they get in shouting contests, right? And in that way, Chris Christie is every bit as uh, New Yorker as Donald Trump is and that Chris Christie minces no words and he trashes Donald Trump all the time. However, when I watched that debate, and I deserve a special prize because, uh, as listeners of this show know, I am in the bag for uh, Joe Biden. I'm a big Joe Biden fan, but I try to be fair, and I did listen to it, and w- that debate, and I try to be fair to uh, everyone regard- regardless of political affiliation, because, uh, and I think that this regional paradigm helps us look past political affiliation. And Chris Christie, just like any other Democrat from this area, is like any Democrat from this area. Talks loud. Uh, he has no problem challenging people. Uh, however, I felt like in his speaking style, he likes to try and relate as well. He likes to show that I know what it's like for the average American. I understand where you're standing. So it's like you know I can see where you're coming from, and this is what I'm thinking. And and in that in that way, where he is challenging in a debate style, but also trying to be empathetic. He differs a lot from Donald Trump, who kind of passes over the empathy bit. And that's probably why in the Republican primary. Why? Because the biggest chunk of the Republican half of the country, which is the South. The South and the West are the red state America, right? And the biggest cultural group in that region is Appalachia, uh, population speaking. And the Appalachians prize aggression of a different sort. This is what I keep saying. Donald Trump does so well because he can take that braggadocio from New York City and translate it across to the Appalachians who want to hear not, man, you're getting hosed and I really feel you, but like, we're getting hosed and I'll tell you who we're going to go kick. Right? They want the naming of the problem to be followed by the action. And it's best if the action is whoever is at fault is going to take the punishment. Because Appalachian culture prizes action and boldness, not just boldness of words. So Donald Trump emphasizes that part. And in so doing, he has translated himself into being the hero of large swaths of the Appalachian voters. And that is his power base for running for president. And that's why Chris Christie, although he could take the same tact, I think he's not doing, he's doing the... I'm not afraid to tell it how it is part, but he's also doing the end, let's talk about, you know, how we can work together part, which is not as appealing. Who does do the Appalachian bit? Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy is from Cincinnati, which is part of Appalachia. And he is very brash and he says a lot of things <laughs> and uh, without any filter. And that has gotten him a lot of eyes and he's done okay for being somebody nobody ever heard of last year. Um, On the other hand, it gets him into hot water as well because part of being aggressive is being offensive, right? It's offense. And I'm not saying that every aggressive person is like hundred percent offensive. I just mean like you cannot be dynamic and bold and make big decisions or make large pronouncements or come across headstrong without offending some people and The moment in that debate, which, you know, was a while back, I have been busy, but if you recall the debate or if you read any of the coverage, you will know that there was a discussion about TikTok. Okay, first of all, the knock on TikTok is that it is a Chinese piece of spyware. Let's rewind the tape and say that it was Donald Trump who got America tough on China. And that's actually a big shift in American policy that plays well in Appalachia. There are lots of working class people there who lost their jobs to offshoring to China. He connected with them. He got tough with China. And that's something that Joe Biden, I love Joe Biden, but Biden as vice president under President Obama was not tough on China. Donald Trump was. That made him a hero to a lot of working class people. And now Biden's taking that lane. So it's interesting that although we can talk about a lot of ways that Donald Trump uh, stirred the pot in a bad way, this is one in which he pretty much said, We're going a different course, America. And Biden's like, Yeah, he was kind of right on that. So TikTok, being Chinese software, is controversial. And in the Republican primary, it's considered malevolent and dirty and nasty except by Vivek Ramaswamy, who himself is an entrepreneur and is like, hey, that's where the people are. That's where I'm going to go. So he doesn't have quite the same uh, hang up about it. And he pointed out that Nikki Haley, his competitor, hurt. although she talks about the badness of TikTok and how it's evil, uh, her own daughter's on it. And that was controversial. I mean, attacking people's kids is kind of low, right? I mean, it just is. Uh, But it is also in keeping with this like, I'm from a place where bold action is prized. It's part of that like super aggressive style. And Vivek probably overplayed his hand there and the audience starts booing. And that's when Nikki Haley's like, you keep my daughter's name out of your voice, which I don't think is exactly how that phrase goes. But the fact that she fired back in kind of an outraged manner, people were like, yeah. And that made a big moment for her. And that moment is part of why she's surging now. So let's talk about Nikki Haley and why she's in the front from a regional perspective. So if Donald Trump has the Appalachian Lane locked down, and that's number one to getting to the Republican nod for president, Vivek can't pry that away from him. He's not going to, right? That lane's taken. Chris Christie, you know, arguably could make a try at it and peel some off because he's a fairly well-established politician. He's got more chops. He wouldn't make that kind of mistake in a debate like Vivek did but he doesn't also doesn't seem to want to like be the avatar of that like that's not who he is. So Trump's got this huge section of the GOP voting base, aka this huge section of the geography of the United States kind of locked down. How do you challenge him? Well, the number 2 contender in the Republican part of the country is the deep southern culture which is where DeSantis and Haley are from. And I would argue that Haley is winning out in this because she is effectively leveraging the Deep South against Donald Trump. Ron DeSantis tried to be the next Donald Trump and therefore has not made as convincing an argument. His argument is, I can do Trump, but I can do it competently. I am actually a smart guy who understands government and I can win legislative battles that Donald Trump couldn't. I can get laws passed that are in line with his values. So go with me. Well, that's just, again, that's kind of like Vivek, like, oh, I'm kind of like Trump, go with me. Well, no, it's not cutting in as much as that reply from Nikki Haley, which is like, you keep my daughter's name out of your mouth. That's how you're supposed to say it. And she also, at one point, I think (laughs) I loved it because it was so haughty. She was like, she called Vivek, she's like, you're scum. She called him scum, like scum, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, like you rebel scum. Um, it's great, but let's. It's perfect for the Deep South. So the Deep South, as we discussed, is that planter culture, and it was really founded by folks who wanted to emulate British aristocracy, not the king. They were imagine a bunch of super wealthy dudes who all want giant farms and to have lots of servants, aka slaves, and be the king of the crop and they're going to decide together in their good old boys club is the derogatory term for this style of governance. Right. But like people in the club, the people at the top are going to decide amongst themselves how this happens. And we're going to do it in order to create a, let's see. Okay. I want to put this in like a positive light. I don't want to like start getting all like haughty here. So myself, but the idea is like the people who are at the top of that society, understand it, know how to keep it running Are looking out for the big picture and those people the business people should be calling the shots together like they're going to negotiate amongst themselves this is like the lords getting together right the lord of south carolina and the countess of alabama are going to get together and discuss what's good for the south um it's that kind of it's the oligarchy and i think haley is tapping into that that's the Koch brothers man (laughs) <laughs> Literally, is like groups of millionaires saying, what's good for America? What's good for us, because we employ millions of people, is good for America. That's the argument. It is very simpatico with the old culture of the Deep South. That's where Haley's coming from. That's where she's challenging Donald Trump from. They call it—now, again, most media don't look at this as a regional thing, which it is, but they don't look at it that way. They look at it as partisan or, you know, the spectrum of very, very liberals to liberals to moderates to moderately conservatives to conservatives to very, very conservatives, whatever. Uh, The establishment versus the proletariat, whatever. Haley is talked about men in those terms. Like she's the establishment candidate. She's the business candidate. She's the big donor candidate. She's the never Trumpers candidate, but it's all the same people. It's the planters. It's the oligarchs. It's the people at the top have agreed that they need someone more reliable than Donald Trump, uh, who just kind of like fires, then aims, as an instinct. And they're like, we got to move past this. We need one of us. We need somebody who's trustworthy. And listen, I actually kind of like Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley. Like, again, I'm not going to vote for her, but I think if you talk about what makes someone qualified to run for president of the United States, she's got it in spades. Does she have the demeanor? Yes. Does she have the intelligence? Yes. Does she have the integrity? Yes. And I realize that integrity is a, you know, isn't really required in politics, but nobody's running around saying Nikki Haley, uh, is r- running amok in ethics violations or uh, playing fast and loose with any of the conventionally accepted rules of politics? She is actually far in there. She is a very, uh, she is very much a part of what we would call the establishment. So that's my argument. I think that Nikki Haley is going to continue to do well because she is effectively embodying that other part of the geography of the Republican Party. She's embodying this idea of, like, let's put forth our best people because the best people deserve to be in charge. And she's one of them. Uh, And the challenge for her will be to, can you get enough people in that camp, literally, like, in, like, can we get enough states, can we get enough counties to vote for me that way, to challenge Trump. I'm not sure. Uh, it's interesting in that the geography of the primary in no way lines up with the geography of the GOP. So you're starting in Iowa, which is from a different culture, the Midland culture. Uh, and then I think it go to New Hampshire, which is Yankee territory. So this is not giving us a good read on that core base, the Appalachian base in the United States, which is the primary, the biggest cultural group in the U.S. and certainly the biggest cultural group in the GOP. But Haley's going to try and round up the troops from the outside. She's going to try and get that uh, the leadership class, which translates out of the Deep South into areas in the North where you also have like old school business Republicans who might want to join that cause. And we'll see where it goes. But that's my argument. I think she is going to be left standing. I don't think that Ron DeSantis or Vivek can out-Trump Trump. I think that Chris Christie could take on Trump and make it a battle, but he doesn't really... He doesn't want to like come out uh, looking like he's so Trump that he beat Trump. So that takes out DeSantis, Christie and Vivek and it only leaves Haley who's not playing his game and she's smart and she's good. And she is absolutely a force to be reckoned with Uh, again, disagree with her policies, but she is the real deal. And I would be delighted to see a Trump versus Haley, like showdown in the Republican primary. Um, a la, you know, Bernie V Hillary, uh, Joe V Bernie was not as entertaining and that's okay. Um, there's my take. I do want to also say for those that like listen to the podcast regularly, I'm sorry I haven't been around more. I got super busy uh, with my, you know, I have an actual day job, and that got really busy in October, and then November, and then, you know, I've got kids, and I've got life, and it, you know, it adds up, and you you can't do the podcast, or you missed the podcast one time, and then you're like, oh, well, I missed it, and it just starts adding up, and you fade away, and it's been a while since I've done this, and I'm sorry, because I've had ideas, and I haven't recorded them. And to be frank, you know, like, the listenership on this podcast has gone up over the past year. But it's not stratospheric. It's not where I wish it was. Uh, I wish I was better at like promoting it or getting the word out. And I need to think about, you know, is this a me problem or is it a subject problem? But I am thinking about how I want to take this. Uh, let me know if you have thoughts. You can always reach me, AdamEHWilson.com or at Gmail. There you go. Um, but this is to me, how politics works, national politics. It's how all politics works, but you have to know a lot more about your local area uh, to talk about it as you get smaller and smaller and smaller areas. Um, But it is about where people are coming from and those subtle cultural cues that we aren't even aware of are driving us and making us think that we're right or that our political philosophy is actually one that we came up with on our own when really you just absorbed it from the people around you. Um, However, because people don't think about that, I think it is a challenge to get people to listen about that. I think it is tough to run a podcast talking about politics this way and get people to listen because they'd rather have some idea of where you're coming from and then edge over. Like this would be better if it were probably if it were like – the uh, Democrats podcast for regionalism or something. Give people a team that they're familiar with, right? You know, like people are used to seeing politics as a team sport or a spectrum of like moderate liberal somewhere in, you know, conservative. They want something familiar to know, Oh, this, even if it's not their team and we all know that people are more likely to listen to people they agree with, but, even if they're going like, okay, I want to hear the other side of this, I'm willing to listen to someone I disagree with, they have to at least recognize who they disagree with. And I feel like after doing this for a year, a big problem is is that people just don't realize this is how politics works. And so trying to get the word out really is evangelization. Like it is trying to spread a new religion. And you know what it takes to spread a new religion? It takes zealotry. It takes commitment. It takes Becoming a martyr, you know, and I'm not sure I want to become a martyr for this cause. But uh, I, I have been thinking about it, and I do think that is a big challenge, even in my conversations with people. If people have not already become familiar with Colin Woodard's work or David Hackett Fisher's work, he wrote a great one. Um, There's a few pieces out there that talk about the regional cultures of the United States, Uh, born fighting. About the Scots-Irish, which is the foundation of the Appalachian culture, is another one. But if people haven't read those foundational texts, they're like not ready for me to like kick in. Um, but I think it's getting out there. And it's going to be there. So whether I do it or not, this is, this is going to become, I think, a major school of thought in American political science. My prediction. All right, thanks for listening to me rant again. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Um, I'll be back, I imagine. I imagine... No, I'm not making an announcements, big plans. And I don't have to, because see, mentioned uh, talk about, you know, like the listenership's not huge. So, you know, uh, I don't have to worry about people mobbing me on the way to the car, asking when that new CD's going to drop. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. You know, you can, please do tell your family and your friends about this show, or at least tell them about this train of thought. I think that is important. The more those of us who think that place and politics are inextricably intertwined, talk about that, the easier it's going to be to start talking about the actual forces driving our politics.